Thanks for joining us today. God wants to do so much for you and through you, and we want to hear about it. Take a second and send your story to amen at citychurchfl.org. And if you'd like to partner with this ministry financially, you can do that by going to citychurchfl.org slash give and select the giving option that works best for you. Once again, thank you so much for joining us, and we hope you enjoyed today's message. This morning, I want to talk to you about riding out the storms of life. Uh, in the Bible, there are lots of biblical characters that we could have used as an example, but there's a man by the name of Paul. We, we know him as Christians today because he was so influential in the founding of the church and the writing of the New Testament scriptures and the example that he left for us and the kind of life that he lived. But Paul was a man who was accustomed to troubles and storms. And he, Paul is writing to the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians, and he says this. I want you to see these words. Brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the trouble we suffered. We had great, we had great burdens there that were beyond our own strength. A storm, a trouble, a trial, a test that was beyond our own strength. We even gave up the hope of living. Wow. I mean, that's a big storm. I say, big storm? That's a big problem. Truly in our own hearts, we believed that we would die. But this happened so that we would not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises people from the dead. <laughs> the, the, the fact that God allowed the storm into Paul's life, Paul recognized the significance of it. Because the storms of life were never meant to sink us, but to serve as a tool to help us to become more like our Savior. The storms of life were never meant to sink you, but to serve as a tool, as an instrument in the hand of God to help us to become more like our Savior. Now, Paul encountered storms, and many of the storms Paul encountered were as a result of him living out the purpose and the mission of God. Paul was a man committed to the ministry that Christ had called him to. Today, if you're a Christ follower, you are a minister of Jesus Christ. I want you to say after me, I am a minister of Jesus Christ. Every person in this room is a minister. Every person is called to serve. Every person has been given a divine mandate and destiny by God. And Paul the apostle, he knew his calling. I want you to see this in 2 Corinthians. He says, in everything we do, we try to show that we are true ministers of God. We patiently endure troubles and hardships and calamities of every kind. When we set our life to the mission of Christ, to the purpose of God, you will have trouble. You will have trouble. You will have storms. You will have trials. It's not if they're going to happen. It's when they're going to happen. It's, and the fact is it's not, not necessarily what you do. It's how you do it. It's how you do it that determines if you're able to ride out the storms of life that come into our world. See, there are reasons for storms. There are reasons for storms. I mentioned it at the very beginning there. But the fact is, many times we enter into a storm of life because we're just living in a fallen world. We live in a, Jesus said, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. It just happens. I mean, you just, you know, you're driving down the road. A friend of mine driving around the road recently, and a, and a lady just plowed through, didn't even look, didn't even look, probably on her phone texting, plowed through the stop sign, slammed right into the side of the car. Fallen world. Wasn't his fault. He was just living life. Things happen. 
bad things happen not just to bad people. Bad things happen to all people. We live in a world that's fallen. Sin entered the world. When sin came into the world, as a result of that, there is chaos. There's challenges. There are problems that affront every single one of us. Sometimes problems are engineered by our own foolishness. Sometimes we do dumb things. We get into a golf cart, and we drive into an area that we know is muddy. Everyone say stuck. Sometimes we do things, and we just get stuck. We get stuck in the stupid tree. <laughs> you know what happens when you get into the stupid tree. You fall down, and you break every branch on the way down. Jonah was a man. He was a man who did some foolish things. He had a call of God. He had the destiny of God. He had the purpose of God marked in his heart. He heard God specifically tell him to go and do something. And instead of doing what God told him to do, he went and did what he wanted to do. He went exactly the opposite direction. He ran from God. When you are going through a storm, let me give you a little word of encouragement today. Don't run from God. Run to God. Don't run from the purpose of God. Run to the plan of God. And Jonah ran from the plan of God. He ran from the purpose of God. As a matter of fact, he gets into a boat. He's got a, there's a great big storm. The guys that are on the boat with Jonah, they're afraid they're going to die. And listen to what Jonah says here. Jonah says, the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose. He says, pick me up and throw me into the sea, and it will become calm. I know that it's my fault that this great storm has come upon you. See, he admitted it. Sometimes we're so full of pride, we can't admit that we made a bad decision. We play the victim card. I'm a victim. I'm a victim. I'm not, it's not my fault. It's not my fault. Well, sometimes it is your fault. Sometimes you are where you are because of the choice you made yesterday. Your life today is the sum total of the decisions that you have made to this point of your life. Some good, some bad, and some not so good. So Jonah recognized it. Foolish decisions. Sometimes we have storms, and just like we mentioned earlier, they're purely God's development process in our life to become more like Jesus. See, Jesus has called us to be people of faith. Jesus hasn't created and called you to fail today. Jesus has created and called you to win today. We are not overcome today. We are overcomers today. You're not a victim today. You're a victor today. You're not conquered today. You're a conqueror today. That's what Christ has called us to be. That's exactly what God has designed you and I to be in this life. The apostles were with Jesus. Jesus has a full day of ministry, and the Bible says he decides to cross over to the other side of the lake. He puts his disciples in a boat. Jesus knew that there was going to be a storm. While Jesus is in the boat, he decides to go ahead and take a little nap. Jesus grabs a pillow, goes up to the front of the boat. He's sleeping, and all of a sudden, there's a great storm that comes across the Sea of the Galilee. And the disciples are so afraid. They're so fearful. They're, they're, they're afraid they're going to die. But what they forgot was that Jesus was in their boat. Jesus was in their boat. If you're a Christ follower today, Jesus is in your boat. And in the midst of the storm, I mean, all hell's breaking loose. They think the boat's going to slam apart, break up in the sea. Jesus says, what is the matter with you? Oh, you of little faith. Oh, we don't want to be people of little faith. We want to be people of great faith. And then Jesus just stands up and speaks. And he says, peace, be still. Calmness suddenly comes. Jesus is in your boat today. Jesus is growing your faith muscle. 
adversity, troubles, and trials enable us to grow in faith. We don't like it. We run from it. We try to hide from it. We will do anything we can most of the time to avoid it. But the fact is it still comes into our world. And there are times that storms come because we're just flat out dragged into them by other people. We just had nothing to do with it. In Acts chapter 27, I want you to turn, if you have your Bibles, if you don't have your Bibles, I'll have some of the scriptures up on the screen. But it's a story of Paul experiencing a shipwreck. Paul, when he's writing to the church of Corinth, he, he talked about some of the things that he had to suffer for the gospel. He says, three times I experienced shipwreck. Three times. Three times in the course of his ministry. <laughs> you know, ancient times and ancient world, they didn't have the same kind of sounders. They didn't have the same kind of technology. They didn't have GPS to navigate them around storms. But they did know the seasons and the times. They knew that they knew the men that were about to get on this boat with Paul, they knew that it was the time and season when hurricanes would come through the Adriatic Sea. They were very aware of that. In Acts chapter 27, verse number 9, Paul says, Man, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to ship and cargo. And in verse number 11, Paul says, But the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and the owner of the ship. See, Paul was dragged into this storm. Paul knew what was going to happen if they got on that boat, the 277 men that, that were going to get onto this tiny, and it was a small, we think of these great boats, I mean, this was a small boat, and it was loaded down with cargo. And Paul knew if they got into this boat right then, and they started to sail towards Rome, that they were going to experience shipwreck. Paul was dragged into this. didn't matter what Paul said. Countries, nations. Nations experience great trouble because of the leadership of that country. Venezuela right now is going through a complete economic collapse. You know why? Because they have bad leadership. They have bad leadership. I mean, not only do nations experience it, but families experience it. Parents can't get along. They fight and they fuss. And the kids grow up in homes where there's anger and animosity and divorce and violence. Those kids didn't do anything. They were born into that environment. They were drugged into that world. Some of you maybe work at a place, and your boss, he's like Pharaoh. <laughs> he's like Pharaoh, cruel taskmaster. And he makes a bad decision about the company. Next thing you know, you're out of a job. You were drugged down. You were put in that position. You had, it was no fault of your own. This is exactly where Paul was at. Paul was in a place, Paul was in a position of no choosing. If Paul, Paul knew that there was the potential, great potential for this storm to take place. And if it was up to him, they wouldn't have done it. He actually warned them. He actually told them. There are ways that we can sink the ship of our life. There are decisions that we make that can sink the ship of our life. The first thing that, first thing that I see as I look through this text here is that we make very important decisions very important life-changing decisions in haste. Look back at verse number 9 here. Much time had been lost. Much time had been lost. They're trying to make up for lost time. They knew that it was potentially dangerous, but they were going to go ahead and risk it anyway. In the business world, they, they talk about, uh, about ready, fire, aim. <laughs> ready, fire, aim. Well, when you ready, fire, aim, you're not in the right position for success. And they weren't in a position to succeed in their trip to Rome. And when we make hasty decisions about our future, about our life, 
about our finances, about our family. So many times I've counseled with people who've made a hasty, they got frustrated at a job and they just quit. They just quit. They didn't have nothing else lined up and all of a sudden they find themselves in a storm, a lack of income for a period of time. Well, you made that decision. I tell people, don't quit one job unless you got a big pile of money in the bank. Don't quit one job until you got the next job lined up. I mean, that, to me, that seemed to be common sense. Well, it was common sense not for them to get in this boat and to sail towards Rome. We make hasty decisions. Look at verse number 10. Look at verse number 11. Verse number 10, Paul warned them. The Bible says, I can see our voyage is going to be a disaster. He's warning them. Great loss of ship and cargo and even to our own lives. But then verse number 11, but the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and the owner of the ship. This is the, this centurion, good guy, kind of like Paul. You can read the whole Acts chapter 20 for yourself. He's a pretty good guy. He's got a responsibility to take this cargo and sell it and pay for this trip and have a little profit. He'd get a little profit from, from the cargo that was, uh, that was left over or from, from the proceeds that were left over. But he doesn't listen to Paul. He doesn't listen to the man of God. He doesn't listen to the word of God. He listens to the advice of those around him. He listened to the advice of the, well, the pilot. He was a sailor. He knew. He knew the dangers. The owner of the ship really wanted to push this thing forward. He li- they, they refused to listen to practical wisdom and common sense. They refused. They just wouldn't do it. They were more concerned about the immediate. Many times, many times we miss it. We completely miss the purpose of God. We find ourselves, not only because we listen to worldly wisdom, but we also listen to the wrong wisdom. Look at this. I want you to see. They were following verse number 12. And it says, and then the majority decided. So it wasn't just the ship owner. It wasn't just uh, the centurion who was leading these 276 men and prisoners and, and sailors. It was also the majority. Verse number 12 says, the majority decided that we should sell on. You know, many times the majority is wrong. <laughs> The majority is wrong often. In the Bible, Moses, uh, in, in the, Bible the, the, the scriptures tell us that, that Moses had a word from God, that they were to go into the promised land. And so he gets 12 spies together, and they go into this place called Canaan, and they find that it's a beautiful land. It's got milk and honey. I mean, it's an amazing place. It's the destiny that God had for them. It's the place of abundance. It's the place of prosperity. It's the place of of God's blessing. Jesus said, I've come to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly. There's an abundant life that God has for each one of us in this room. But the majority decided this wasn't, uh, Paul's word wasn't right. Paul didn't have the timing right. The majority decided. And and, and Moses' situation, when the majority came back, they said, oh, no, no, no. Ten of the spies, no, the giants are too big, too difficult, too hard. We can't do it. We're too small. They actually used this word. We are like grasshoppers. We're just so small. We're so insignificant. We can't conquer. Hear me today. The majority is often wrong. The majority is often wrong. The majority in Jesus' day called out for Christ to be crucified. Crucify him. Crucify him. The majority is often wrong. As Christians, we are called to live what I call an upside-down kingdom life. We're called to live contrary to what the philosophy and the wisdom of this age says. 
Well, what does Google say? Google, what does statistics say? I mean, our, our media is famous. Statistically, most Americans want this. Most Americans don't even know what they want for breakfast. How do they know what they want about the situation in China or Russia? I mean, come on, give me a break. Most Americans really don't know. But most Americans want, Google it. What, what does the majority of people want? Now, the majority is often wrong. The majority of people, when they run in conflict with other people or people who are challenged and they just say, forget them. And the Bible says, no, we love them. The Bible says, love those who curse you. Bless those who despitefully use you. It's exactly contrary to the way of this world. The, the, the way of the world says, you know, you know, it feels so right, baby. We can just move in together. We can just, it'll be, it's cheaper that way. Two are cheaper than one. I mean, you know, two, we can live together cheaper. We get involved relationally. We have sexual relations with people. We're not married yet. And God says, no, that's not my plan. God says, you get married. You live pure before me. And then you enter into a relationship that I've designed for you. That's contrary to the values of this world. The majority decided. And when we follow the majority of the, of the people and the wisdom of this world, we will find ourselves stuck. We will find ourselves in a storm. I don't want you to look at verse number 13. When a gentle south wind began to blow, they saw their opportunity. When a gentle south wind. Now, baby, it seems so right. I mean, that south wind. Last night I was sitting on my porch. And that wind, that south wind was blowing, whatever wind it was blowing, I don't know if it was south wind, but it sure felt good. I had my iced tea, had my little jazz music playing in the background. I got my little man cave on the back porch, 65 degrees, and I got a little electric fireplace right next to me. I turned that on, got a little chilly out there, dropped down below 70, got to warm it up a little. Oh, baby, that felt good. And we make decisions based on circumstances rather than the clear word that God has given to us. They were basing their decision to go towards Rome, to take this trip on this boat based on their immediate circumstances. See, there was a storm coming. God gives you his word not to condemn you today. God gives you a word today because God wants to bless you. God wants to do good to you. God wants to favor you because you are his cause. You're why God sent his son Jesus into the world. He loves you today. So many times we live based on the circumstances of the immediate and the moment. Look what happens here. Immediately the Bible says there was a hurricane force. There was a hurricane force called the Nor'easter that swept down from the island. See, they were about ready. It looked right. It felt right. It seemed right. But they were about ready to set sail right into a hurricane. 1992, there were a group of scientists decided that they were going to live in this biosphere. It's called, this is called biosphere, biosphere 2. It's located in Tucson, Arizona. And they were going to uh, create this perfect environment under glass. They were gonna, it's going to be completely sustainable. All the oxygen, the, the plant life, the vegetation, the, the raising of the, the animals, all that was going to be contained within inside of this little building. Fans, they had it all worked out. It was a great experiment. It was going to be a two-year experiment. They got about seven months into it, and all of a sudden they realized that the animals weren't doing very well. The animals were starting to get sick. The trees, they had planted some palm trees in there, and the palm trees just started bending over. They were secured in the soil. 
They gave them water. They had these big, giant fans that they'd put in this biosphere that they had blowing. But you know what they came to discover? After 17 months, the whole thing was a complete failure. They scrapped it, and today you can Google it and read about all the things that went wrong. But one of the things that they discovered was that although they had these giant fans to produce wind, that wind didn't produce the same result as the natural winds that God has created in life. Isn't that fascinating? So they had wind, but it wasn't, it wasn't a, a strong enough wind. The current wasn't strong enough to build the root system in those palm trees to enable them to be able to stand up on their own. They needed wind. They needed adversity. So the storms of life happen. What do we do? Hear me today, loud and clear. Life seldom allows us the privilege of sitting back, drinking Mai Tais, while we sail along, soaking in the soothing, smooth south winds. Seldom works like that. We need the wind of adversity in our lives to enable us to thrive as God's people. We need that adversity. I want you to look at verse number 14 with me. Here are some reactions to the storms. Here are some reactions that we walk through when we go through storms. In verse number 14, the Bible says, Before very long, a wind of hurricane force came, called the Nor'easter, and it swept down from the island. The ship was caught up by the storm and could not head into the wind. So we gave to it and were driven along. Just driven along through life. You live long enough. You have enough challenges, enough problems. So many people quit. So many people sit down. So many people stop fighting. So many people stop pursuing. That's exactly what they did. They just gave into it. Ah, it's never going to change. I'm always going to be broke. I'm never going to be able to have any money. I'm never going to have a new car. I'm never going to find the right man. I'm never going to have the right woman. My children are never going to change. We just give in. The storms of life come, and too many times, too many times the problem looks so great because we're looking at the problem and not the solution to our problem. And so we give in. It's exactly what they did. In the verses 16 through 18, they threw away the things that they needed to survive. Verse number 16 says, we worked harder and harder, but to no avail. Sometimes you're going through a storm and you're working harder and harder, and nothing seems to change. Several years ago, a friend of mine was going through a really difficult season in his marriage, and his wife had made a decision to leave him. And I, I remember I was counseling with him, and, and he'd already, I mean, he was doing everything he knew to do. He knew he'd made some mistakes, but, but he went and bought this book called Fireproof. And it was a real popular book a few, a few years back, and had all these things that you could do to help grow your relationship and show love to your spouse. And he was doing all of them. And I remember him telling me, it's just not working. It's not working. He's trying harder and harder. Verse number 18, the Bible says, we took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they begin to throw the cargo overboard. In the verse number 19, on the third day they threw the ship's tackle overboard. How many times do we take this approach to life? We do what we think is a good idea, but then it doesn't work out the way that we think. And so we throw away the things that are necessary for us to endure the storm. We throw away our relationship with God. We throw away the, the community of believers that we're gathered with. We throw away a spouse. We throw away a job. We just, we run away from it. We, we give up on it. I tried that. It didn't work. Ran into someone just recently, very angry about their relationship with God and the way that things went. People failed them. People disappointed them. 
And they were angered. I haven't darkened the door of a church in five years, bless God. I am going back to that blankety-blank church. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> that wasn't me. And so we, we give up. We quit. We throw away the things. you got to hear me today. When you're going through a storm, don't run from God. Run to God. And look what happens here in verse number 20. When neither the sun nor stars appeared for many days... I mean, they're out there on this, they're out there in the middle of the Adriatic Sea for 14 days, and the storm hasn't let up, and it's raging. It says, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. The Bible says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. And that's exactly where the enemy wants you to go. He wants you to feel hopeless. But the Bible tells us today that God that you and I serve is a guide of hope. He's the God of hope today, and the God of hope is for you today. you got to keep your eyes on the right perspective. you got to keep your eyes not on the problem, but on the person of the Lord Jesus Christ today. Because I want you to know today, the hope that we have in Christ is a hope that endures. We're not a hopeless people. We're a people full of hope today. And then in verse number 30, in an attempt to escape from the ship, they try to run. They try to get away from it. Paul the Apostle says, we must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. All right, so we got a problem. we got a storm. We see that. So what's the right response? What's a proper response to the storms of life? Look at verse number 29. Fearing that we would be dashed against the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight. They finally did something that was going to help save them in the midst of the storm. They finally, you know what they did? They prayed. They, did, they prayed and they did something practical. They took four anchors. I want to use these anchors as a metaphor in our life today. See, anchors would go into the bedrock of the ocean floor and keep them secure. The winds would come, the waves would come, but they would be anchored secure. They wouldn't just be pushed along and driven out into the sea or crash up upon the rocks. No, they anchored themselves. They anchored themselves. And I want you to see this in, in, in uh, verse number third, 23. Paul says, last night an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me. See, Paul today, he anchored himself in the presence of God. We were singing about it just a few moments ago. We worship him. It's, there's something about when believers gather with other believers and begin to sing and begin to declare the presence of God becomes real. But I gotta, you got to hear this today. It isn't enough to have it in the church house. You need the presence of God in your house. It isn't enough just to be have the presence of God when you're with other believers. You need the presence of God when you're in the midst of the storm of your life. God is a good father. His eye is upon you today. He loves you. He cares about you. Jesus said, the sparrow falls from the, falls from the sky and hits the ground. The Father knows. The Father sees the hairs that are upon the head, uh, on the top of your head. The Father knows everything about you, and he cares today. God sent an angel to Paul and gave him a word of encouragement. Today, I'm a messenger of Christ. I'm a messenger of Jesus. And the presence of Jesus is here for you today. God hasn't forgotten you. God cares about you. God loves you today. I want you to hear this very clearly today. The God that we serve today, the God that we serve today is with you in the storms of life. 
the presence of Jesus. God sends you a word in season. God gives you a song, a scripture verse, a friend to come alongside of you. The presence of God. They put their anchor down. Not only did they put their anchor down, Paul put his anchor on the presence of God. Paul put his anchor into the solid ground of God's plan. Some people call it providence. Some people call it destiny. The angel said to Paul, do not be afraid. You must stand trial before Caesar. And God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. God's plan. God's purpose. As we're walking through the storms of life, we got to learn to trust. It's not easy, folks. It's not easy for anyone. But trusting God's plan and God's program for our lives determines whether or not we will succeed as we walk through the storms. See, one of the things that I know about God is that God has your plan. God has your purpose. God has your destiny in mind from the beginning to the end of your life. And whatever you're walking through, whether you live or whether you die, God is for you today. Jeremiah chapter 29, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. The Bible, after the children of Israel were taken into captivity, they had great storms, lots of problems. God has a prophetic word for them. This is your future. Israel, this is your future. City Church, this is your future. For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans for a hope and a future. Someone said amen. God is for you today trusting God's plan in our life. But not only was he anchored to God's plan, he was anchored to the promises of God. He was anchored to the promises of God. So the angel came and said, Paul, don't be, don't be discouraged. You're going to live. You're going to make it. You're going to stand trial before Caesar. God has not only given you life, but God has given you all these people that are with you in this boat. Oh, wow. Your life matters today. You might be sitting in this room thinking, you know, if I wasn't here, would anybody really care? You know what happens when our lives are walking out the destiny and the purpose of God? We influence other people. This thing is never just about us. It's always about God working through us for our good, but ultimately his glory. And we are greatest in God's kingdom when we are serving out the purpose of God and being a blessing to other people. There were 277 men that were on this boat. All of them would have died if Paul wasn't there. If Paul hadn't been on that boat, every single person would have died. Think about it. But God had a promise today. God made a promise that all these men would live and not die. God has promised you today that he is with you. He's not forsaken you. God cares for you today. Paul put his hope in the promises of God that are yes and amen to them that believe. And the fourth anchor that, that Paul held on to was the anchor of God's strength and God's power. Verse number 44. I mean, they'd gone through the storm. It looked like it was impossible. Things were too difficult. And then verse number four says, the rest were there to get on their planks. The boat had busted up. And in this way, everyone reached land safely. Every person made it safely to land. It wasn't easy. The boat busted up. Some were holding on to planks. Some swam, swam to the seashore. But every single person made it. God is for you today. Seldom easy. Always good. It might be bumpy. The storms might wage and rage, and even the boat that you're in seems to be broken up. But if you hold on, 
if you sink your anchors today into the presence of God, the plan of God, the promises of God, and in his power, I want you to know you're going to make it to the other side safely. Come on, amen. Our ushers, not our ushers, our worship team is going to come. Ushers are later. That's Pastor Glenn. You're here today. When you came in today, you got a connect card to look something like this. Every person here has a next step. Every person here has a next step. I was a weatherman today. I was like that guy Tom in Channel 13 that was preparing you for the hurricane that came this summer. I like it. I, I want you to know today, you, you, you got to get yourself prepared. How do we prepare ourselves? We prepare ourselves through the word and through worship. Some of you here today, man, you haven't surrendered to Christ. You haven't taken your next step in God, and that's your next step. On the back of this card, it says, uh, I'm committing my life to Christ today. I'm going to challenge you today. You know your life isn't right with the Lord. You know that you haven't fully surrendered your life to Christ. Today is your day to give your life to him. Maybe you, some of you today, your next step of obedience in Christ your next step of obedience is to be water baptized. I'm going to challenge you to take that step. Water baptisms are next, next week. See, we don't weather the storms of life. We shouldn't weather the storms of life by ourselves. Some of you today need to get into a small group. Some of you are already in a small group. But I want to encourage you to get into a group of other believers who can come alongside of you. And ultimately today we're called to serve. See, if the enemy can get you distracted and detoured from the destiny that God has created you, he will keep you from fulfilling God's plan for your life. This morning, I want you to stand with me. That thought about God's presence, there's something about the presence of God that moves every mountain and melts all the wax of fear and doubt and unbelief. Our worship team is going to lead us in this song, in his presence. And whatever you're walking through today, whatever you're going through today, I want you to surrender to the Lord. This is your moment. This is your moment to give it to God. In Jesus' name, come on, let's worship the Lord.